This is the Lost Start of Communication, hosted by Molly and Trisha. Thanks for tuning in again this week for a new episode. Trisha and I wanted to let our listeners know that while we are continuing to release new episodes that are not directly related to the Black Lives Matter movement going on in the world around us, that does not mean that we have forgotten or that we are choosing to ignore the issues at hand. We stand in solidarity with Black Lives Matter, and we are committed to doing our part to undo the racist policies that are woven into society through systemic racism and oppression. If you want to know more about how to do that, one resource is our episode titled How to Communicate as a White Ally, Black Lives Matter. We encourage you to also continue the conversation with your family and friends to not let the momentum of this movement end. With that being said, we are happy you are here to learn new ways to be a better communicator. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Lost Art of Communication podcast. Today, we have a very special guest with us. Jonathan Miller of Mindful Communication is on the show today. We are so excited to be speaking with a communication expert, and we look forward to seeing where this conversation takes us. Welcome, Jonathan. Glad to be here. So let's start off by you giving us a little background on yourself. Tell us your story, how you got into the world of communication and anything you'd like to share. Sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll start off by telling you a little bit about myself right now, and then we can kind of go back in time and I'll show you how I got here. So I, I've deemed myself a conflict transformation coach. I know it's a mouthful. And basically, the area of specialization of mine is really around conflict. Uh, you know, some people are really into birds. Some people love mountain biking. <laughs> I love conflict. I, I know it's kind of like weird, but it's just it's a, a fascinating phenomenon because it's something that every human on the planet experiences. So few of us know how to handle it. And so I've dived deep into this subject and I find it absolutely fascinating. And there's a, you know, a, a treasure trove of awesome information out there. And I've made it my life's work at really understanding this, at embodying it, and empowering others to do the same in their lives so they can not necessarily live conflict-free lives, because as we might talk about later, living a life of conflict is not really possible. But how do we live a life where we can consistently transform the conflicts in our lives and make it something incredible. So that's a little bit about kind of me and what I'm up to right now. Um, moving backward, how I got into this space is it actually started in a 1984 GMC Vandura. Have you ever seen <laughs> one of these things before? I am not a car expert. I don't know what those look like. Tell me about it. Okay. Well, it's a camper van and it's got this little pop top roof on it. It's got a small kitchenette in it and this like table that turns into a bed. And my girlfriend at the time, she's now my wife, so happy ending to the story. <laughs> we had always wanted to go on a van trip. You're aware of like the va hashtag van life thing, this, this huge, yeah, this is, this is par for the course now. So we, we wanted to do this as well for a long time. And so we did, we, we saved our money and we bought this old school van and we started this trip all around North America, checking out all the national parks, really into rock climbing, wanted to do a lot of rock climbing. And we were so excited. I was super excited. I mean, 
I was tired of the nine to five. I wanted a little break from that. And I also wanted to take a bigger look at, you know, what it, what it was it that, who was this person that I was living with for the last year? Was this somebody that I wanted to spend the rest of my life with? So there were some bigger questions at play underneath it all. And this excitement, it started off with a bang, right? I mean, like any trip, you're just so stoked at the beginning. And that excitement and peace lasted for about three days. <laughs> because when you take full, two full-size adults and put them into a tiny space, like a, like a 1984 GMC Vandura, it's, there's not a lot of personal space there. And, and so we wanted the trip to be longer than three days. <laughs> we'd... I, I was legitimately, I had remember asking myself, man, is this how it's going to be for the rest of the year? Cause this isn't going to work. Nice. And, and what came of it was it wasn't full up fighting. We had always had a strong relationship and the, it came to when there was this one instance. So we, we kind of had these like moments of like bickering or kind of snapping like a, like a, a lot of couples or even just human beings experience in any relationships. And I remember I was cooking. She was, we were cooking together. She was watching the stove. I was sitting down chopping some vegetables. And I said, hey, can you get that for me? And she snapped at me. And I'm like, okay, what, what's happening here, right? And this had been a, a pattern now. This had happened a few times. So we both, we both called a timeout. We're like, okay, what's going on here? And we both took a look together. Like, this is not who she is. This is just a behavior she exhibited. Let's take a look at what this pattern is. And what we uncovered was some assumptions we had from the past based on our upbringings and all that stuff. And when I said, can you get that for me? What she heard is stop what you're doing and get that for me right away. That didn't work for her. And what I was saying is when you have a moment, get that for me. But that's not what I was saying either. What I said was, get, can you get that for me? And so we made this agreement. I would say, when you have a moment, and she would partner with me by cutting me some slack when I forget to say that, right? And lo and behold, it made the problem completely disappear. I was flabbergasted. I was like, wow, this is awesome. This is so cool. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm in my late 20s. I'm unemployed. I'm like, I'm going to read all the books about this. There is something here about this communication thing. And the deeper I dived into it, the more I realized what a terrible communicator I was. Oh, my goodness. I... You know, I, I was a project manager in the corporate world. So, I mean, I was always friendly. I talked to lots of people. We, I got along with everyone really well. And yet there was so much to learn, so many mistakes and traps that I would fall into that were so, so common. And I practiced and practiced and practiced very systematically and deliberately. Laura, my wife, my, my now wife, she, she was my, uh, you know, little guinea pig. Um, so I apologize to her profusely to this day and uh, definitely hurt her feelings a few times. But where I came out was this new understanding of communication, a deepened relationship with this person that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with. And by the time I got home, I saw it have this ripple effect with my family, with my friends, with people I work with, and just a a sense of confidence with being able to handle any social situation, really. And so I, I knew I was onto something. And so this is kind of what rocketed my, now my life's work of sharing this amazing thing called communication skills that we use every single day uh, to transform not just the relationships in our lives, but the quality of our lives as well. What a great story. And what I find so fascinating is that it was really just the addition of those few words when you have a moment that shifted the entire conversation. So just curious, how 
if you're coaching someone, for example, how would you go about finding those key phrases to use? Or are there some that are universal for most situations? Or how does someone, let's say you're having a conflict with a friend, how do you know what you're saying wrong? Or how do you come to figure out what the right phrasing would be? That's a really good question. And this this is one of the things that I love about communication. It is so context specific. It's so dynamic. Like we can talk about this example with a friend, but that is just like one little example. And there's like a million different variables that are going on at play. And it's just really hard to tell. But we're let's play with this example here. Okay, let's have some fun with this. So in this scenario, and when I coach with clients as well, one of the foundational things that you need to make any change in your life is you need awareness. Awareness is like the seed of change. Without that awareness, no chance. So at some point, there has to be some sort of disruption in the relationship with this friend. And when there is a disruption, what I do is I I work with clients to kind of embody this mindset, but what I call it is a partnership mindset. And it goes along the saying of, It's not, this person is my partner. They are my partner in figuring out this problem. It's not me against them. It's me and them as partners against this problem. And that's a very powerful mindset. If you walk around your life with a partnership mindset, everyone all of a sudden becomes your partner and you're solving problems together. It's way more fun, let me tell you. So if you have the awareness that there's a pattern and you partner with this person to find that pattern, it makes things much, much easier. And that's what I was very fortunate to have in this intimate relationship of mine. I had uh, an occurring pattern, which we started to identify with some awareness. And then I created a partnership with my wife. And I said, hey, let's get to the bottom of this. Let's figure out what this is. And then taking some action, putting a plan in place, Continuing with the partnership, you know, although it was me changing these words, this sentence that I had, I still required her partnership in cutting me some slack when I forgot. I mean, communication habits, as you or our listeners might know, they're very hard to form. That's because we're talking all the time, every day. And if we're not talking out loud, we're speaking in our heads, right? So really hard to instill those. Um, And nonetheless, with that partnership, very much possible. And For the record, that was like three or four years ago. I still say that to this day. I still say when you have a chance. It's like a a habit now. Yeah. I love that. And I think the idea of awareness is so important. We talk about that a a lot on our show. You have to be aware and not shy away from the awareness either. Because if you're aware of it, that's great. But then I think there's so much conflict avoidance too. So there might be that awareness and it's like, oh, nope, don't want to deal with that. So how do you kind of allow people to feel comfortable jumping into that uncomfortable situation of conflict and wanting to deal with it. Hmm. Yeah. See the avoiding of conflict. That is, that is a deeply ingrained pattern of mine to this day, right? I I practiced my whole life at avoiding conflict. So I'm really, really good at it. (laughs) And I know that there's a lot of people, our, our listeners probably are also really good at it. It's, it's a pretty common habit pattern, right? And it's simply, I guess to answer that question, it's just about taking that action in the first place, right? So we're talking about creating a new habit pattern. And so I'm I'm not like that versed in neuroscience, but at the end of the day, what I do understand is that we have neurons that fire together, wire together, wire together. That's that's the saying, right? Okay, thank you. (laughs) 
So the, at the end of the day, the way that you form any habit is one kind of action at a time. A habit is a series of behaviors that are automatic. And so what's at the, at the core of this is a behavior. And so if you do a behavior enough times, it just becomes more and more automatic. And so we have this automatic behavior called avoiding conflict. And so it's simply about changing this pattern or else doing or doing a different pattern called lean into conflict and taking that on. And that can be really scary. It can be really uncomfortable. And typically it works out much better than you know, avo avoiding or waiting so long that eventually you end up exploding, which is the typical pattern, which I've exhibited for, again, most of my life and still, still, you know, I'm challenged with to this day. Uh, but that is the kind of the first step in terms of breaking that pattern is taking an action that's different from your usual behavior. And that goes for any habit, right? I don't know if there's any habits if there's any thoughts that you have on that in terms of kind of changing those communication habits specifically. Well, one thing I want to point out to Molly's question of, you know, confrontation sounds scary. The word conflict connotes that you have an enemy or you're working against something or someone. So to, in answering or thinking about her question and your response, something that I noticed that you naturally did, which is probably why you're so good at what you do, is you made it a partnership feel. Having in my head when I was thinking, oh, that's amazing. If I look at this conflict, instead of it being, quote, confrontation, and you're going against someone and you instead have that partnership mentality, I think that takes a lot of the scariness away from it because you're no longer working against someone, which is the scary part, especially for people like Molly and myself and a lot of our listeners and sounds like you who are non-confrontational. We want people to be happy. We want to make people feel good. So it's scary to do that. But when you think about it instead as this is an ally, this is a partner, and I'm doing this for them not to work against them, that automatically reframes it in a more positive light. So it's not conflict in a negative sense. It's okay, now we're going to use this conflict to bond together and be stronger. And I think you hit on something so important there, right at the end. It's this idea of using conflict in order to blank. And that's a powerful thought process. Because once we start realizing that conflict is inevitable in our lives, we've all experienced conflict. All three of us here have experienced conflict, experienced it in the past, definitely going to experience it in the future, probably experiencing some conflict right now in some area of our life. And I'm willing to bet our listeners are in the exact same boat. So we know that conflict is inevitability of life. So if it's inevitable, why are we going to continue to avoid it as much as we can knowing it's going to happen? It's like resisting what is right? And whatever we resist persists. So instead of taking that path, it's about like you so, so beautifully put, it's just kind of like, well, how do we use this then? Because out of conflict, we have this idea that conflict is this terrible, terrible thing. Oh, conflict. Oh, it's so bad. But conflict is at the root of so much positive change, just as well as negative change, right? It's positively led to independent countries, and it's led to fresh start. Ask anyone who's remarried if their initial marriage, that conflict was worth what they have now, because it might have been. It may have been painful and lots of suffering and unnecessary, blah, 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 blah. But their new marriage is awesome. And it wouldn't have happened had they not ended that first marriage, had that conflict in the first place, right? Just a small example there. 
So you have conflicts that can have these negative outcomes and have these positive outcomes. So it's actually not conflict itself that's kind of this bad thing because it's inevitable. It's going to happen. It's actually the outcome that conflict produces that we tend to deem as good or bad, as like unpleasant or not as unpleasant. So I think that that's like a really powerful perspective shift because when we start to realize that conflict's going to happen no matter what, I don't know about you, but that's what had me take conflict, taking you know, taking on conflict more more seriously. It had me be like, well, it's definitely worth knowing how to handle this stuff because it's going to happen. I might as well get better at it. So I don't know. That's some thoughts that I had. What, what what's uh, your thoughts on that, Molly? I was just thinking of my childhood actually when you were just speaking because a lot of the time when I grew up, my mother always. Um, had the idea of like pushing everything under the rug, right? Oh, no, everything's fine. Like, nope, don't bring that up. (laughs) And I had a really close relationship with one of my best friends who still to this day is one of my best friends. Her name is actually also Molly. (laughs) Um, And we butt heads a lot. And I remember when I would come home after hanging out with her and I'd come home to my mother and say like, oh, me and Molly got in a fight again. Mom would be like, oh no, like, I'm so sorry. And I was like, no, it's, it's good. Like we're talking about things that need to come up. And that really helped me even from a young age reframe, like conflict is necessary and it results in something a lot of the times change that is necessary and good. So just linking it back to what you said, like reframing your brain to think about how conflict results in change and we need change. We can't stay static and stagnant and that's what makes life beautiful is changing and growing. Yeah. What a powerful concept, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I'm sure our listeners are wondering and that I grapple with myself is something you mentioned briefly earlier when you're in the throes of a conflict, because it's easy for us to sit here and say, yeah, conflict is good. There's going to be a benefit from this. But when you're in the midst of the conflict, emotions exist I'm a very emotional person. Sometimes it's hard to sit there and be like, okay, this is all happening for a reason. I noticed your company is called Mindful Communication. So how do you, how do you, what do you suggest to help people not become victims to their emotion in the midst of conflict? How do, what role does mindfulness play? And I'd just love for you to speak on that a little. Sure. So that's kind of like a whole world of stuff. So we can break it down into a few different points that our listeners can really take home and actually put into practice. Cause I agree, you know, here we are wagging our chins being like, Oh, you know, just lean into conflict. That's easy. Da, da, da. No, it's like super hard. So let's acknowledge that that conflict is. And even as someone who has encountered a lot of conflict, it's still very uncomfortable for me to handle, to, to jump into conflict, very uncomfortable. And sometimes I kind of slip and I lose it and my my emotions get the best of me. So that's like a totally normal reaction. And one can be committed to changing that habit pattern. Okay. So the first thing to always try to remember and like literally make this a habit is just take a breath. Whenever you notice that you're getting triggered, take a breath. That's always going to help. And one way that um, you could really start to get used to doing that is what you alluded to is with this mindfulness idea, right? So I have a meditation practice, huge part of my life, huge, huge part of my life. And I spend many, many hours watching my breath. And that's become somewhat of a habit. That also has given me some space. So the practice in particular is called Vipassana. And the purpose of the practice is you kind of watch your your body, the sensations in your body. 
And there's sensations in your body happening all the time, whether you realize it or not. The ones we're familiar with are like hunger. You see, you feel that definite kind of pain in your stomach or like a headache, like maybe a pain in your head, right? Those are some more common gross sensations. But there are sensations happening all the time in your body. They're called interoceptive sensations. And what this practice essentially does is it has me start to get more familiar with more of those subtle sensations. And what's really important to know about those subtle sensations is, again, they're happening all the time. And my thoughts actually manifest as sensations in my body. Now, watching your thoughts can be very challenging because we have so many in a day. I remember watching a TikTok. Someone, someone don't quote me on this, but something like 50,000 thoughts a day. That's just a random number I'm throwing out there. But I'm not surprised that number. That kind of makes sense. But the sensations in my body, I can really feel. Like That's something I can feel and I can be aware of. I mean, Trisha, let me ask you, when you're feeling angry or frustrated when you're having that kind of conflict, what are some sensations that you might experience if you think about it right now, or maybe you know off the top of your head what, immediately what you're experiencing then? Yeah, I mean, definitely heart rate probably goes up a little. I tend to be lean more on the anxious side, also a big meditator, but before meditation, I would notice that you know, my belly might be burning. I don't think anger is my default reaction, but I, I get flooded very quickly, which flooding mm. is like your whole body starts getting overwhelmed and you feel like this tingly sensation. Oh gosh, I got to act now. And then you feel paralyzed almost. It's like, I don't know what to say. I'm personally not the type of person that would just blurt out something in anger. I'm the type of person that would bottle it up and probably cry. So, but it's those sensations of, I don't know, I want to say like burning or tingling in that feeling of anger. Yeah, burning, tingling, and even kind of a paralyzed feeling, maybe that kind of like that frozenness. And and Molly, how about you? What what kind of sensations do you experience when you experience that tension? I remember when I was like a kid, I would always describe it as like my eyes are shaking. I would like my vision would shake. Um, sometimes like it would kind of go hazy. Um, vision is like a big thing for me when I get angry. Um, heart rate goes up, obviously, but vision is the biggest thing that's coming to mind. Mm. And, you know, for me, I feel a tightness in my chest and I clench my jaw. Mm. In fact, my wife can tell when I'm angry because like my lips thin, I tense my tension, my, get tension in my jaw. And it's so cool because all three of us experience it very differently. But nonetheless, we do experience sensations in our body. Mm -hmm. And what this mindfulness practice really does is it allows us to use these sensations as a cue for how we're experiencing our emotions. And through my practice, this is my practice, and you know our listeners can do whatever practice is going to work for them. But through my practice, I find equanimity. I find balance. I find a, I almost practice not reacting to sensations in my body. And so, what that non-reaction every you know hour that I meditate is a non-reaction that I get to practice in life as well. So that definitely has helped a tremendous amount. I can say with absolute certainty that I've been meditating every day now for two hours a day for almost three years. Wow. And it has had a drastic impact on my ability to handle conflict. I put in a lot of time. That's not for everybody, I, I admit, right? That's great. But what if someone listening is like, oh, that's lovely in theory, but I have a nine to five. I have two kids. Like, how am I supposed to do that? Is there anything besides the preparation, which I agree, carve out time for these mindfulness practices outside of the conversations, but is there anything someone can do in the moment 
stop and take a breath? And then is it better to walk away from the conflict, do you think? Or try to, how do you stay calm in that moment if you don't have that background? Yeah. And I'm glad we're following up on this because that was just one tool that I have been using that has worked tremendously for me. Now, on the other hand, yeah, not all of us have time to meditate for two hours a day, which I would still recommend, you know, just a meditation practice, you know, 10, 15 minutes a day would make a huge difference for you. Huge, huge difference. Anyway, um, pausing for sure, taking that breath. Sometimes it's hard to forget the breath. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, hard to remember to take a breath guilty. Okay. Definitely your suggestion walking away hundred percent. I'm all about that. And I'll tell you why is because I am much more uh, favorable in terms of walking away and avoiding saying something I regret than making more of a mess saying something when I'm agitated and I'm not ready to talk. Now there is a caveat to this. You don't want to just walk away, just storm off. That doesn't work because it leaves the other person with a big old question mark what's going on. No, I want to talk about this now. We got to talk about this now. You've been avoiding me, avoiding having this conversation. Da, da, da. So what I would say is make your intentions really clear. Just say, you know what? I can't talk about this right now. It's because I'm really agitated. I'm really angry right now. And I know I'm going to say something I regret. And I want to talk about this when I'm calm and clear-minded and then off. Okay. And you know, that, that's a powerful way to communicate about this. Now, that also may set the other person off. The other person may not be uh, into that. And so here's this great idea that you can use, especially if you're dealing with conflict with the same person. So Molly, if you're kind of in these conflicts with other Molly quite a bit, you can have this conversation in advance that this is what I'm going to do. This is what I want to do when I'm feeling triggered next time. So this is great for relationships that are normal, where you're normally having conflict couples for sure, family members, that kind of area. You can even do this at work if you're feeling vulnerable and open enough with another colleague that you have had conflict in the past and say, listen, you know, we've had conflict in the past and it's possible that's going to come up again. And what I don't want to do is say something I regret. So if that conflict comes up again, I want you to know that I'm going to take a break. I'm going to walk away from the conflict until I'm clear-minded and then we can come together again and talk about how to best resolve it. Does that work for you? And kind of, you know, set up the context, set up for success, and then you're actually more likely to be able to ha handle that conflict really well. What are, your, what are your thoughts on that? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Um, how I'm the type of person, because I was raised, push it under the rug, push it under the rug, I have now adapted this mentality of, okay, I'm, I'm embracing conflict, but let's fix it now, let's fix it now. I, I can't do a break. <laughs> It needs to be fixed by the time I go to bed or it's, it's over, you know? So I really like that idea of front loading before a conflict even comes up and talking about, Hey, this is what I need in my partnership, whether it's friendship, relationship, coworker, like you said, um, cause then my brain's primed to expect that once the emotions are involved more too. Um, something that I've adapted to, um, during conflict with my partner is when we, when he does need to take a break, I like knowing when we can talk about it again, like a, mm, yeah. okay, we'll come back to this in an hour or tomorrow night or whatever it is. Just so my brain's ready to say, okay, it's not forever. We're not just pausing and letting it drift into the ether. Like <laughs> we have a next scheduled time. What do you, what are your thoughts on like having a scheduled time after you take the break? 
I love that. I absolutely love it. Yeah. And especially with difficult conversations, I'm a big, big fan of putting time in calendar to have specific conversations um, and, and giving yourself a lot of buffer space to have a nice long conversation. Because the worst thing is to get into it and then have to cut it short and not actually get it resolved, not knowing when the next time you're going to have that conversation is, right? So I, I absolutely love that idea. Would definitely add it on to to what I what I shared there. Trisha, how about you? Yeah, well, I think it's a brilliant solution to have the conversation preemptively before the conflict even happens, because as you mentioned at the very beginning, most of our conflicts are patterns. It's not like going to be something totally novel. And you're like, well, where did that come from? And if it does, maybe worth having a conversation about maybe just a one-time thing where someone was having a bad day. But if you notice it's the same sort of thing happening over and over, I love that strategy of saying, okay, this has happened three times now. Let's talk about it right now while we're both in a calm state, as opposed to waiting until we're cooking and I ask you for something and then we start fighting about it. And so I just think that that's an excellent idea and goes back to, again, what you said in the very beginning, you have to build awareness of those patterns so that you can really say, where is this conflict coming from? And sometimes you would probably be able to articulate this better than, than I can, but I would imagine that it might be the same root cause of a conflict manifesting itself in various ways. So it might take some deep digging to realize, oh, this all stems from the exact same place. So let's tackle the root yeah. instead of each conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, a lot of work that I do with my clients, I'm sure that you've explored this on your show the words we say sometimes don't make the biggest difference. It's really about the volition you're coming with. It's the intention um, and communication. I, I found, you know, on my podcast, the mindful communication podcast is I've had a lot of experts come on. And when it comes to communication, it's again, not so much the words, but it's who you're being in the conversation. It's a beingness that you bring. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, that's kind of the the magic of communication. And I don't even remember where I was going to go with this point, but it's just something that came to mind that I really love to share with our listeners right now, not to spend too much time on kind of learning those words on what to say, but kind of identifying those patterns and bringing who you want to be with those conversations. I spend a lot of time with my clients working on these, these ideas that you know, everyone is trying their best at all times that, you know, what people say is actually mostly about them and not about you. Those are some fundamental concepts to be aware of when you're communicating with other people. They make a huge difference. They're also hard to believe sometimes, but the more you can kind of internalize and ingrain those into your being, the more successful you're going to be at having these wonderful relationships and dealing with these conflicts really powerfully and effectively. Yeah. And I could go on for hours or days talking about this stuff. I feel like we're just getting started. I we're know, just getting warmed up, right? I hope everyone yeah. has been taking notes. I have. And all of this stuff obviously is very tricky, but we know you have a conflict assessment tool, which I think could be profoundly helpful for making sense of all of these things that we're talking about. Could you tell us a little bit about what that is and how that works? Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. I basically it's there, there. We talked about a lot of things. There's a lot of great tips here. And if you listen to the lost art communication podcast, you're going to get way, way more tips. You'll probably get everything you need. And if you still want some assistance, I have this tool. It's called Tough Talks Made Easy. Guess what? It makes your tough talks a little easier. And essentially, it's a roadmap. It's not a script, but it's kind of like a game plan 
on how to tackle this tough conversation that you've been avoiding. And it's and the way we do it is you you book 45 minutes with me and we actually find a really natural and powerful way for you to have this conversation in your own way, in your own words, so you can feel confident and at ease and it can go as painlessly and, and get that peace that you're looking for at the end. And if you use the promo code LOSTART50, you'll get 50% off, which Trisha and Molly will make sure to include in the show notes um, and also a link to the assessment tool. And you can also find me on my podcast, the Mindful Communication Podcast. It's a great place to also continue the growth in terms of learning how to communicate and be a better communicator. Yeah, I love that. We'll add definitely all of those links in the show notes. Is there any other modalities, I guess, where we could reach you? Yeah, I'm also on LinkedIn. I spend some time there, uh, but mostly just check out my podcast. Yeah, and you can check me out on LinkedIn and my website, mindfulcommunication.me. Perfect. Well, thank you for that code too. Okay, so last thing In addition to listening to the Mindful Communication podcast and using this assessment tool, we like to end every episode with an actionable takeaway step for our listeners. So what, if there's one thing you could tell people to do, what is a takeaway from this conversation or from any of your work that people can do to improve their ability to handle conflict or to be better communicators in general? Hmm. That is a good question. Because there's so many different things that we, we already said so much. Okay, here's here's usually like my go-to for, for communication, mm-hmm. what I say, because it's my favorite tool and it's just, uh, it's reflective statements. So basically reflective statements is when you reflect back what you heard the other person say. And you've probably heard this before, our listeners have probably heard this before, but I'm going to tell you why I love it so much, okay? The reason that I love it so much, it has so many great benefits. First off, if you reflect what the other person says, it just maximizes clarity and understanding. You really give an opportunity for yourself to make sure that you understand what they're talking about. You actually check in with them and say, you know, you said this, 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 is that right? And you give them an opportunity to hear it for themselves. Is that indeed what they're saying? And if they, and if they need to correct you, then they correct you. Perfect. You don't want these miscommunications, these breakdowns happening. So that's also a great reason. And as a bonus, talking about conflicts, when we're in these conflicts, we tend to, I don't know about you, but I tend to speak really quickly and I get, I'm like really agitated. I'm not thinking through what I'm saying. And what par- what kind of paraphrasing or reflective statements does is it actually slows down the conversation a bunch. And so all of a sudden you're slowing down the conversation And if someone says something to you that they might regret saying, you're actually giving them an opportunity to rethink what it is that they're saying. So it's really doing them a service, doing yourself a service by slowing down the conversations. So many benefits. And if you can make this a habit of reflecting what people are saying, I promise you'll avoid like 90% of your communication breakdowns. That's like a, that's the Jonathan Miller guarantee right there. (laughs) So you heard it. Here first, I heard from Jonathan. So this week, as you go through life, try to make reflective statements when you're having a conversation. And I would recommend practicing on less emotional, lower stakes conversations. Don't wait till you're in the middle of a giant argument to start this for the first time. But if you make it a habit, I find, and you can let me know what you think of this. But with my clients, it's easier to practice when there's less writing on doing it well. And that's how you make it a habit. You don't wait till you're giving your giant presentation to practice a communication skill or the giant argument or, you know, conversation. Hopefully it's not an argument, but yeah. So trying to. Absolutely. You can. 
Yeah, that's a great tip. Start start low stakes because when you're in that fight or flight mode in that conflict, you're not going to have the bandwidth to think about creating new habits, right? Those new habits have to start chipping away slowly, slowly in your day-to-day interactions. And then when the the going gets tough, you don't have to think about it. It's just a it's just a natural go-to and you're going to find your conflicts go much more smoothly. Well, thank you so much. Anything else you'd like to add, Molly? No, I really appreciated this conversation. Conflict is a huge part of communication. So, you know, discussing it and putting it out there and thinking of strategies openly is just, I'm sure, so helpful to a lot of our listeners and to me personally. So thank you. Yes, thank you so much. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. And please check out Mindful Communication.